spaghetti. <laughs> All right, Amy, we're back. I can't believe it. It seems like we haven't recorded in a long time. I know. I know. I don't know why. I don't either, but we're glad to be here. I have a quick story for you. Oh, no. Now, we've been sitting here talking for about 45 minutes, <laughs> and I didn't tell you this story because it's ridiculous, and it has nothing to do with anything, to, to be honest. A couple nights ago, the older boy and I were sitting in the den. He's like, I'm going to make a big potato. Because he eats it yeah, all times, eats, yeah. and, and so whatever. He's going to make a big potato. He's going to have some uh, shredded chicken with it. Okay. So uh, he puts it in the microwave. He doesn't want to bake it in the oven. Okay. I'm like, okay. So he punches the holes in it. It's all good. About four minutes goes by, and we're sitting in the den. We can see into the kitchen from the den, and we hear, poof. I look over, and the... <laughs> the potato is on fire. No. There, <laughs> there are flames in the microwave. <laughs> I'm like, Brent, fire. The potato's on fire. <laughs> he runs in here and he gets it and he, he, you know, he's carrying it and he puts it in the sink and he puts the fire out. I'm like, how? I've never seen that. No. There wasn't any oil on the potato. Nothing. Obviously, no foil or anything. That tater just caught on fire. What? Was there potato everywhere? No. It just, oh. it didn't explode. It just went boom. It just went up in flames. Did Was there smoke? There was smoke, but... Thank goodness we were in here and we we opened up all the windows, turned the fan on, and you know I'm fanning the smoke so, because it's like one in the morning. Oh, great. and I do, I don't want the alarm to go off, yeah. so we're opening everything up and I'm fanning the 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 smoke. It didn't go off, but have you ever seen anything like that? No, well, I've seen stuff catch on fire in the oven, okay. but not in the microwave. Yes, though remember Noah's issue. That he put on the, um, he put on beer rocks or something for like 20 minutes. Remember the oh. whole house was like a cloudy day, a <laughs> fog day. I can't even think about it. <laughs> Who are they? I don't know. He put it on then went outside. Gosh. Who's that? You know, some, there's some things. Well, he's going to cook it now in the oven for now on. Well, believe me, he he's like, hold on. After we got all that situated, that mess was taken care of. Then he turned the oven on, prepared all the potatoes, and put them in the and oven. And did that. And they were fine. Um, oh, my goodness. Good thing you heard the poof. It was literally poof. <laughs> and, I, and we both look over. That sucker was flaming. Poof. Poof. Oh, my gosh. That is hysterical. Oh. Well, life is not boring with kids. Oh, no. Especially boys. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's fun, though. It is. It's a lot of fun. But, yeah. They, yeah. And I don't think boys tell you everything they do. Thank God, maybe. No, I don't think they do, and I don't want to... I hear enough. I don't want to hear anymore. Me either. That's fine. Yeah. Whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. I, you know, 
and you have I have one that uh, very loving but doesn't really share a lot and then the polar opposite where the other one the younger one just says too much yeah he just lets it out oh Amy I don't know yeah I don't I know but um it's made us laugh many times oh we have good memories yes um do you want to start us some prayer sure I do let me get that going Lord, I know you are with me and love me. Give me peace of mind as I prepare for this time of study. Help me to focus on my book and notes. Keep me from all distractions so that I will make the best use of this time that is available to me. Give me insight that I might understand what I'm studying and help me to remember it when the time comes. Above all, I thank you for the ability to be able to study and for the many gifts and talents that you have given me. Help me always to use them in such a way that they honor you and do justice to myself. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, did you want to chit-chat about anything? Do you have anything on your mind? No. No? Not really. Just, no, I'm fine. Good. Good to, No. I missed the the sawing and the buzzing. Oh, that's right. When I was editing the last podcast, I, I you know I'm listening to it and I'm like, oh, it's even relaxing listening to it as recording. It is. Are they done with that house? Not yet. Um, okay. They've slowed down, but they've been doing a lot over there. Still, like sawing and buzzing, whatever they're doing. Yeah. But also um, adding new. Uh, I think. Not textiles. <laughs> Wood. Hardwood floors. No. I mean, maybe yes, but... Uh, textiles. Not textiles. <laughs> like... Oh. What, what, look at me. Look, what's this? Tile? T- just tiles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm like, what is he pointing at? <laughs> Oh, okay, so they're adding that. Yeah. Who knows what else? Yeah, I think they're just doing all new everything. You know, have you ever seen a house for sale on the internet and you're thinking, you see the floor, the tile, and you're thinking, did they just save up every little, oh, we have 10 of these, we have, huh? <laughs> it's like the biggest mess. Have you ever seen that? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm like, what happened in here? Did the person buy a... Uh, they went to... Oh, here's what it sounds like happened. They went to the textile store. <laughs> and they were like, what do you have on clearance? Yeah. Okay, there's a foot of this. There's eight tiles of this. There's like four rolls of this. Yeah. And maybe they mishmash it. And there it all looks. Yeah. And you're thinking, heavens no. Huh. And the patterns they do. You're like, what? It... Uh, Anyway. All right. Well, do you want to get started? Sure. Okay. We are starting 2 Samuel. Yay. Now, I just took the recap from 1 Samuel out of the Bible. Uh, David had great faith in God. He waited for God to fulfill his promises. The book of 1 Samuel tells of David's struggles as he waited to become king of Israel. Samuel had anointed David as king of Israel many years earlier. King Saul became jealous of David because the people were praising David for his accomplishments. Eventually, Saul's jealousy became so intense that he tried to kill David. 
As a result, David had to run and hide. For many years, David hid from Saul in the barren wilderness south and east of Jerusalem and in enemy territory. David may have wondered when God's promise would come true, but his struggles prepared him for the great responsibilities he would later face as king. The book of 2 Samuel tells how David was finally rewarded for his patience and consistent faith in God. Boy, he sure was. Oh, yes. Through all of that. I know. And, yeah, never touched a head on Samuel's... No. Hair on Samuel's head. I mean, Saul. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Would she... You know, I don't know. And he didn't speak ill of Saul? No. Never. Hmm. And yeah. then, real quick, Second Samuel, it's the 10th book in the Old Testament. It was written 900 B.C., and it covers 1000 to 975 B.C. And the author is the prophets Nathan and Gad with records from Samuel. Okay. Um, is there anything you wanted to add to that? No. I'm good to know. Okay, so let's start then with chapter 1. Uh, a man from Saul's army found David and told him the news that Saul and Jonathan died. And we learned about that right towards the end of, of the last book. Yeah. With the enemy approaching, the man claimed Saul asked him to put him out of his misery, and the man obliged. He then presented Saul's crown and armband. David and his men mourned, but David had more questions. Yes. When I, when I read that again, I was like, wait a minute, that isn't what happened. I was like, okay, Robin, come on now. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's get yeah. let's get going. Yeah. yeah. Um. Did you have any notes for that part? Um. I do. The Amalekites were a fierce nomadic tribe that frequently conducted sunrise raids on Canaanite villages. They had been Israel's enemies since Moses's time. David had just destroyed an Amalekite band of raiders who had burned his city and kidnapped its women and children. This man was probably unaware of David's recent confrontations with the Amalekites. If he had been, he might not have come. Instead, he incurred David's wrath by po posing as an enemy of Israel and claiming to have killed God's chosen king. And I have one more. Sure. Why did David consider it a crime to kill the king, even though Saul was his enemy? David believed that God had anointed Saul and only God could remove him from office. It be, if it became casual or commonplace to assassinate the king, the whole society would become chaotic. It was God's job, not David's, to judge Saul's sins. We must realize that God has, a, has placed rulers in authority over us, and we should respect their positions. Was there anything in the song you wanted to highlight, or did you have any um, notes regarding that? I have on uh, Sam, 2 Samuel one twenty six. Um, it says, Oh, how I weep for you, my brother Jonathan. Oh, how much I loved you. And your love for me was deep, deeper than the love of women. And then it said, By saying that Jonathan, Jonathan's love was deeper than the love of a woman, David was not implying that he had a sexual relationship with Jonathan, Homosexual acts were absolutely forbidden in Israel. David was simply re restating the deep brotherhood and faithful friendship he had with Jonathan. Yeah, that must have, I imagine that must have hurt. Because they were so close. They were very close. Did you have anything else for chapter 1? 
No. Okay, so let's move on to chapter 2. David asked the Lord if he should move back to Judah, and the Lord said yes. So David and his entire family moved, and while there he was anointed king over the people of Judah. So now he's not the king of, of Israel. It's just Judah right now. Just Judah, yep. Did you have any notes for the first part? Um, I have, God told David to return to Hebron, Hebron, mm -hmm. where he would soon be crowned king of Judah. David made Heb Hebron his capital because it was the largest city in Judah at that time. It was secure against attack. It was located near the center of Judah's territory, an ideal location for a capital city. And many key trade routes converged at Hebron, making it difficult for supply lines to be cut off in wartime. Although David was the anointed king, the commander of Saul's army, Abner, had proclaimed Saul's son Ishbosheth king. He ruled for two years, but the people of Judah were loyal to David, who ruled for seven and a half years. Next, we learn about the battle between Ishbosheth's troops and David's troops, who sat on opposite sides of the Pool of Gibeon. Instead of a full-out battle, 12 men from each side were chosen to battle each other, and David's men were victorious. Did mm. you have anything um, for that part? With Israel divided, there was constant tension between north and south. David's true rival in the north was not Ishobesh, but Abner. In this incident, Abner, Abner suggested hand-to-hand -hand combat between the champions of his army and the champions of David's army, led by Joab. The fact that this confrontation occurred at the Pool of Gibeon, located in Saul's home territory of Benjamin, suggests that Joab's men were pushing northward, gaining more territory. Abner may have suggested this confrontation in hopes of stopping Joab's advance. Twelve men from each side were supposed to fight each other, and the side with the most survivors would be declared the winner. The confrontation between David and Goliath was a similar battle strategy, a way to avoid terrible bloodshed from an all-out war. In this case, however, all 24 champions were killed before either side could claim victory. Nothing was accomplished, and the civil war continued. Hmm. You know, and then I wrote, I wrote down... Um, just these, these four people, because it gets, well, I got a little confused. Right. Okay. So Abner is the leader of Saul's army. Joab is the leader of David's army. Then we have Abishai who's coming up. That's Joab's brother. He's also an officer of David's army. Okay. Then we have Asa, Asahel, I think. Asahel, another one of Joab's brothers. So Joab... Abishai and Asahel um, are all brothers, and they're all with David's army. So during the battle, Asahel, one of, like I said, one of Joab's brothers, was chasing Abner, but Abner didn't want to kill him, knowing how difficult it would be to face Joab. He ended up plunging a spear through Asahel and killing him. Joab and Abishai gave chase to Abner once they heard the news about their brother. Abner eventually took a stand and if you would please read um verses 26 through 28 please abner shouted down to joab must we always be killing each other don't you realize that bitterness is the only result 
When will you call off your men from chasing their Israelite brothers? Then Job said, God only knows what we would then Joab said, God only knows what would have happened if you hadn't spoken, for we would have chased you all night if necessary. So Joab blew the ram's horn, and his men stopped chasing the troops of Israel. Who knew that would have worked? Ah, yeah, maybe, yeah, no kidding. Gosh. Just, just saying, hey, what are we doing? Yeah, what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. And then Abner and Joab's men both retreated to their hometowns. Yeah. You know, that was that. That's the end of that. Yeah. Second um, Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, that was the beginning of a long war between those who were loyal to Saul and those loyal to David. As time passed, David became stronger and stronger, while Saul's dynasty became weaker and weaker. Um, did you have anything else to close out chapter 2? Any other notes? I don't have any. I have the battle ended with a victory for Joab's troops, sure, yeah. but war in the divided nation continued until Davis, David was finally crowned king over all Israel. Mm. Okay. All right. So let's move on then to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Okay. And this is a list of David's six sons who were born in Hebron. I didn't have anything else. Um, you know, like we've said before, when it comes to the lists of different people yes. in the Bible, we don't really get too detailed into that. No. Um, but did you have anything for that that you I wanted had, to talk about? Um, let's see. David suffered much heartache because of his many wives. Poly polygamy was a socially acceptable practice for kings at this time. Although God specifically warned against it, Sadly, the numerous sons born to David's wives caused him great trouble. Rape, murder, rebellion, and greed all resulted from the jealous rivalries among the half-brothers. Solomon, one of David's sons and his successor to the throne, also took many wives who eventually turned, away, turned him away from God. Crazy. Mm -hmm. He's starting to not listen. Yeah. Okay, so moving on then to 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 8 through 17. We learn about David's mightiest warriors, known as the Three, and a few of their adventures. Uh, Joshobim, the leader, Eleazar, then Shammah, and the Thirty was the elite group of David's soldiers. Any notes for that part? The verses tell of some of the exploits that the special corps of David's army carried out. There were two elite groups of men, the 30 and the 3. To become a member of such a group, a man had to show unparalleled courage in battle as well as wisdom and leadership. The 3 was the most elite group. The list of the 30 actually contains 37 names, but it mentions some wars, warriors known to be dead. Uriah, for example. Apparently, new members were appointed to replace those who had fallen in battle. Anything else for that part? No. Okay, moving on. First Chronicles chapter 11, verses 10 through 19 is the parallel verse. And it's essentially the same. Yeah. Essentially the same. Did you have a note for, for that part? Yes. Eliezer's action changed the course of a battle. When everyone around him ran, he held his ground alongside David and was saved by the Lord. 
In any struggle, fear can keep us from taking a stand for God and from practicing in God's victories. Face your fear head on. Find other believers along the way who are worth standing beside through thick and thin. If you are grounded in God, victory will come your come when you hold that ground. Okay, so then we move to 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 18 through 39. And it is a breakdown of David's 30 mighty warriors. I, that's all I had for that part. It's just a breakdown of, of those men. Did you have anything for there? That's... 18 through 39, right? Yes. Let's see. I have David poured out the water as an offering to God because he was so moved by the sacrifice it represented. When Hebrews offered sacrifices, they never consumed the blood. It represented life, and they poured it out before God. David would not drink this water that represented the lives of his soldiers. Instead, he offered it to God. Just as these men gave of themselves to serve David, we should put aside our own interests to serve other Christians. When we serve others, we are also serving God. And the a lot of those men that were with him were that came from the caves, correct? Yeah. Okay, they just they stuck with him the whole time. I'm assuming so. I shouldn't say yes, but I think so. Because he had men from the caves. He had men came over from Saul's army. Yep. Okay, so he was just accumulating warriors. You know, because who he was. Mm -hmm. But getting those wives, he's starting his downfall. Those women. Those women. And then uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verses 20 through 47 is the parallel verse. And it is, for that, it is pretty much the same the same breakdown. Yes. Um, is there anything there in First Chronicles that you wanted to talk about? I don't have anything. Okay. I can't find it. Yeah. Okay. So then we move on to Second Samuel chapter three, verses six through thirty-nine, and we now have a war between David's people and Saul's people, but there was strife in Ishbosheth's camp. Abner was accused by Ishbosheth of sleeping with one of Saul's concubines. Abner didn't take kindly to that and threatened to hand over Saul's people to David. Ishbosheth laid back, but Abner was ready to take action. He sent a message to David explaining just that, but wouldn't negotiate unless his wife, Michael or Michal, was returned. And I had totally forgotten about her. Yeah. But she's still out there. She is. Um, would you mind reading verses 15 and 16, please? Okay. So Ishbosheth took Michael away from her husband, Paltai, son of Laish. Paltai followed along behind her as far as Bahurim, weeping as he went. Then Abner told him, go back home. So Paltai returned. Now, I want to stop right there. I feel so oh. bad for Palti. It's Palti, yeah. Or whatever, however you pronounce his name. I feel so bad for him. Me too. He may have been in love with her. Yeah. But she didn't, yeah. And he's like, nope. Come on. She's got to go back. Yeah. I don't know why I feel so sad for well, him. I do too. But you know, it happens. It does. It does. Uh, it's so sad. 
Would you mind, actually, I didn't have that there, but would you mind finishing up reading 17 through 21? Okay. Thank you. Meanwhile, Abner had consulted with the elders of Israel. For some time now, he told them, you have wanted to make David your king. Now is the time, for the Lord has said, I have chosen David to save my people, Israel, from the hands of the Philistines and from all other enemies. Abner also spoke with the men of Benjamin. Then he went to Hebron, Hebron to tell David that all the people of Israel and Benjamin had agreed to support him. When Abner and twenty of his men came to Hebron, David entertained them with a great feast. Then Abner said to David, Let me go and call an assembly of all Israel to support my lord the king. They will make a covenant with you to try to make you their king, and you will rule over everything your heart desires. So David sent Abner safely on his way. What a, an amazing turn of events. Oh. You know, the I way know. God set that up. Yeah. Um, did you have any notes for that part? First about Michael. Mm-hmm. Had been married to David. Saul had arranged the marriage as a reward for David's acts of bravery. Later, in one of his jealous fits, Saul took Michael away from David and forced her to marry Paltai. Now, David wanted his wife back before he would begin to negotiate peace with the northern tribe. Perhaps David still loved her. More likely, he thought that marriage to Saul's daughter would strengthen his claim to rule all Israel and demonstrate that he had no animosity towards Saul's house. Palti was an unfortunate victim caught in the web of Saul's jealousy. Yep, poor Palti. Poor fella. <laughs> and then I have, um, because Saul, because Saul, Ishobesh, and Abner were all from the tribe of Benjamin, the support of the elders of that tribe meant that Abner was serious about his offer. There was a strong possibility of overcoming tribal jealousies and uniting the kingdom. All right, so moving on with chapter 3. David sent Abner and his men safely on their way shortly after Joab returned and couldn't believe David let Abner go. Joab felt it was all a trick to sabotage David, so he left. And without David's not without David's knowledge and brought Abner back. Joab killed Abner, stabbing him in the stomach. Revenge for killing his brother Asahel. David washed his hands of the murder, declaring, quote, uh, quote, unquote, he and his kingdom are forever innocent of this crime against Abner. Did you have any notes? David was saying that Job's descendants would be unclean, unhealthy, and in want. Why David say? Why did David say such harsh words about Joab? David was upset over Abner's death for several reasons. He was grieved over the loss of a skilled military officer. He wanted to place the guilt of Abner's murder on Joab, not himself. He was on the verge of becoming king over the entire nation and utilizing Abner was the key to winning over the northern tribes. Abner's death could have revived the civil war. Joab violated David's agreement to protect Abner. Joab's murderous act ruined David's plans, and David was especially angry that his own commander had committed the crime. And, oh, I'm sorry, did you have anything else? That's it. Okay, and then 
Finally, there was a procession to Abner's grave. David sang a funeral song, and he truly grieved for Abner's death. Yes. Okay, so moving on to chapter four. Now, here I wrote another little note just to kind of um, keep us on track, or keep me on track. Uh, Rechab or Rechab and Bana were brothers and captains of Ishbosheth's raiding parties. So just to kind of keep that in mind. Okay. So those two snuck into Ishbosheth's house, killed him, cut off his head, and brought it to David. They were very proud in presenting it to David, knowing Saul was his enemy and tried to kill him. But David was not pleased. No. And then would you mind reading verse 11, please? Sure. Let's How much more should I reward evil men who have killed an innocent man in his own house and on his own bed? Shouldn't I hold you responsible for his blood and rid the earth of you? So this is twice now. Yeah. Crazy. So David ordered his men to kill Bana and Rechab while he buried Ishbosheth's head in Abner's tomb. Um, Do you have any notes to finish out that chapter? David called Ishbosheth an innocent man. As Saul's son, Ishbosheth had reason to think he was in line for the throne. He was not wicked for wanting to be king, rather, he was simply too weak to stand against injustice. Although David knew Ishbosheth was not the strong leader needed to unite Israel, he had no intention of killing him. God had promised the kingdom to David, and he knew that God would fulfill his promise. When David learned of Ishbosheth's death, he was angry. He had never harmed Saul, and he thought the assassin's method was cowardly. David wanted to unite Israel, not drive a permanent wedge between him and Ishbosheth's supporters. To show that he had nothing to do with the extermination of Saul's royal line, he ordered the assassins killed and gave Ishbosheth a proper burial. All of the tribes of Israel, recognizing in David the strong leader they needed, pledged their loyalty to him. No doubt the Philistines' threat and David's military reputation also helped unify the people. Okay, anything, yeah, anything else for, for that chapter? No, that's it. Okay, moving on to Second Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. All of the tribes of Israel told David they wanted him as the king of Israel. So this was his time. He's finally going to become the king. Yeah. And then, so Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5 verse 3. So there at Hebron, King David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel. And they anointed him king of Israel. David was 37 years old when he became king and reigned for 33 years. Any notes for that part, Amy? David did not become king until he was 37, although he had been promised the kingdom many years earlier. During those years, David had to wait patiently for the fulfillment of God's promise. If you feel pressured to achieve instant results and successes, remember David's patience. Just as his time of waiting waiting prepared him for his important task, a waiting period may help prepare you by strengthening your character. Patience. Yeah. Anything else? That's all I have there. I actually had one other note for there. Okay. This was the third time David was anointed king. First, he was privately anointed by Samuel. 
Then he was made king over the tribe of Judah. Finally, he was crowned king over all Israel. David's life as an outlaw had looked bleak, but God's promise to make him king over all Israel was not being fulfilled. Although the kingdom would be divided again in less than 75 years, David's dynasty would reign over Judah, the southern kingdom, for over 400 years. Wow. Okay, so moving on. I'm sorry, did you have anything else? No. First Chronicles chapter 12, verses 23 through 40 is a parallel verse. And once again, it's, kind of, it's pretty much the same thing. Did you have notes for there? When David was finally anointed king over all Israel, 20 years had passed since Samuel had anointed him. Gosh, he was 17 he, then. 17. God's promises are worth waiting for, even when his timetable doesn't match our expectations or desires. So young. Gosh. And to lead those men at yeah. such a young age. And, and not get jealous or angry or... Mm-hmm. And be so devoted to God the whole time as well. He he lived his life for for God. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He Anything he needed to do, he asked God first. Yes. That's what we should do. Yeah. Like just, it's all, that's all it's about. Yeah. You know. Any questions? You know, God, what should I do in this situation? Or where should I go? Yeah. And he did that. He did all of that. Any other notes for that part? The 200 leaders from the tribe of Is- Isaac Char understood the signs of the times as a result their knowledge and judgment provided needed help in making decisions for the nation for church leaders today it is equally necessary to know what is happening in society in order to plan the best course of action for the church knowledge of current events trends and need and needs helps us understand people's thoughts and attitudes This gives leaders information to help them make wise decisions for the church and make God's message relevant to people's lives. Um, I had a note, and this really this first sentence in the note I thought was really important. And I had to read it a couple times before I understood it. Oh, okay. The book of 2 Samuel details how David came to power. While Chronicles emphasizes that God declared David to be the ruler. I had to read through that a few times. I'm like, wait, what? So 2 Samuel is more how David came to power. Yeah. And so we have a lot of parallel verses in Chronicles. Okay. Chronicles emphasizes more that God declared David to be the ruler. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. God was working through the efforts of many people, even some of Saul's own family. God is still sovereign over history, directing events to accomplish his will. The books of Chronicles demonstrate that no matter... What people may do to try to hinder God's work, God still controls all events and works his will in them. Yes, he does. Mm. Anything else? Mm. No, that's all I had. Okay, so moving on to 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 6 through 16. It's a detailed list of the armed warriors who joined David. Okay, and in part, verse 40, it says there was great joy throughout the land of Israel. So Israel was in a good place at this point. They are happy that David is now the king. Yes. Uh, David and his men defeated the Jebusites in in Jerusalem and captured the fortress of Zion, now called the city of David. 
The fortress of Zion was now David's home. And like we mentioned, it is it was renamed the City of David. Any notes for uh, for for that part, for that chapter? Um, I have the Jebusites had a clear military advantage. And they boasted of their security behind the impregnable walls of Zion. But they soon discovered that their walls would not protect them. David caught them by surprise by entering the city through the water tunnel. Only in God are we truly safe and secure. Anything else is false security. Whether you are surrounded by mighty walls of stone, a comfortable home, a secure job, no one can predict what tomorrow may bring. Our relationship with God is the only security that cannot be taken away. And Amy, would you mind reading chapter chapter 5, verse 10, please? Not at all. And David became more and more powerful because the Lord God of heaven's armies was with him. Oh, I love that. I know. He's with him. Mm-hmm. And he knows he is. He's He knows. Gosh. Uh, anything else for, for that? Um, David realized that the Lord had confirmed him as king. Although the pagan kingdoms based their greatness on conquest, power, armies, wealth, and wealth, David knew that his greatness came only from God. To be great means keeping a close relationship with God personally and nationally. To do this, David had to keep his ambition under control. Although he was famous, successful, and well-liked, he gave God first place in his life and served the people according to God's purposes. Do you seek greatness from God or from people? If the drive for success, if in the drive for success, remember to keep your ambition under God's control. This was brought up, I don't remember when, but it was the same sentiment. Do you seek greatness from God or from people? Yeah. Yeah. That's something really important, I think, to ask yourself. Yeah. Every so often, just as a refresher. Yeah. Amen. Anything else for there? No. Okay, so then we have a parallel verse. First Chronicles chapter 11, verses 4 through 9. And verse 6 is kind of added in this, in this version, in First Chronicles, where it says, David had said to his troops, whoever is first to attack the Jebusites will become the commander of my armies. And Joab, the son of David's sister Zer- Zeruiah was first to attack, so he became the commander of David's armies. So this one gave us something a little bit different. Yeah. Yep. A little bit. Yeah. Um, any notes for there? David's power increased as a direct result of his consistent trust in God. In contrast, Saul's power decreased because he wanted all the credit for himself and ignored God. Those who are concerned about building a name for themselves risk losing the very recognition they crave. Like David, we should be concerned for righteousness, honesty, and excellence and leave the results to God. Amen to that. I know. No kidding, yeah. Just focus on that. Yeah, just focus on him. Focus on him. Don't even put it in your mind, oh, well, I need this glory and I need this recognition and I need... No. No, none of it. Mm -mm. Nope, that's right. And then to, to round it out, First uh, Chronicles chapter 11, verse 9, and David became more and more powerful because the Lord of heaven's armies was with him. So it's the same sentiment, Lord's with him. Yeah, 
the Lord is with him. Anything Praise else, God. Amy? Because that's all I had. No, that's it. What's on um, your mind? For me, I, I when I read this, I think about we're here to be God's vessel. And I may have already said that. But if you if you just focus on being the vessel for Christ, it's never about you. And it shouldn't be, in my opinion. Just try to focus on spreading God's word and being, you know, honorable to him, being faithful to him. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of people out there that are very nice, but they're not saved. You know? Yeah. Um... My son said to me the other day, well, they're believers. And I said, well, how do you know that? And he goes, well, they're real nice. Oh. And I said, no, honey, you still need to tell them, you know. Mm -hmm. And we want, that's our job, to spread God's word. Mm -hmm. And to be faithful to him. And, like, look at David. Yeah. Gosh. So far. I wonder how many people, I mean, we won't know. But, I mean, I wonder how many people he influenced. Don't you wonder? I never even thought about that. The entire, I mean, this entire time yeah. so far, I mean, he's been loyal to God. Yeah. And so I just wonder how many people he influenced along the way. Yeah. And as you read that, I'm sure a lot of people think, God, why didn't he just kill Saul? Oh, yeah. But see, he wasn't thinking humanly. No, he wasn't. He he was just the vessel that Christ used. Mm-hmm. Just he listened and listened. Remember when he cut off the little part of Saul's... Thing? The hem, yeah. Yeah. And you know he, he must have gotten some flack oh. from from the warriors and whatnot because they they may, they may probably weren't thinking that way. You know, right. it's like, no, this is your opportunity. Seize it. But no, that isn't, that isn't where his head was at all. No. And then I thought about those, um, the three and then the 30... I would be, and I know I would have different thoughts, but my human thoughts say, I'm not going to be a good soldier because <laughs> I don't want to be in that elite thing because I'm going to have to go out there by myself with those other two. And I don't, maybe you wouldn't have been a good elite no, soldier. I could feed them, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to be. You could feed the three and the 30. Yes, I could, but that's about it. I'm not going to be. Oh, and imagine if that was one of your sons. But again, if our eyes are focused on Christ and God, it's our pleasure to do that. Mm -hmm. It really is. And remember, when you're not here, you're going to be with him. Yeah. So don't fear death. Yeah. It's something that we should always keep in mind. And uh, and sometimes it is it way easier to say it, you know, than to act, than to live it. Like. Yeah. If someone got a cancer diagnosis, I mean, it would be very hard at first. Yeah. I'm just talking for, for me. Absolutely. You know, of, of course, like my first thoughts, I'm just being real, would be, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. My kids, my husband. Oh my goodness. Like, those humanly. Are, those are human thoughts. I think those are just natural thoughts. Me too. But then, then I think there's a process where it's like, okay, God's... God's got a reason for this and whatnot, but it, there's no doubt you're going to think like a human. Oh, sure. And he, someone would say that is doubting or isn't a believer, well, he didn't save my mom from cancer, so he doesn't answer all prayers. He answers them to his will. Yeah. 
and maybe his will for well his will was for that person to be in heaven or to leave earth and that she by doing that she maybe changed some other people's lives yeah or brought them to Christ we don't know yeah we and we're not supposed to know yeah it is hard but I think as you grow and and read more and get more knowledgeable it's easier don't you like yes yeah yeah absolutely it does get easier but I I absolutely I understand what you're saying in, in that point of view like hey uh, you know, like you were saying, my mom, she was a believer. I'm just saying in general, yes. you know, like, oh, my mom was a believer. She, you know, she had a horrible time with cancer and, and whatnot. And a lot of people go through that. Yeah. Why would the Lord take her? Yeah. Those are natural human, human feelings to go through. Yeah. 100%. God, he has the whole plan in front of him. He sure does. And, you know, some people make their jobs their God. Every man will disappoint you. Every, because we're human. Mm -hmm. We have sin. We have, we're fallen. We're not in the home we were supposed to be due to Adam and Eve. The whole thing. Mm -hmm. But if you make Christ your, Christ God, your God, that he's never going to let you down. Mm Mm-hmm. Are you going to go through trials? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because then it become, you become more like him. But a job, once you retire or the day you leave, your name's forgotten. <laughs> so don't put all your eggs in that basket. Put it no. in human beings. Yeah. I don't know. This was such a good study. It's always so good. Yeah. It, it was. I love the metaphors you share with everyone. Oh. I, really. Thank you. But you as well. I'm oh, blessed by you. Bah. Okay, so you, you want to give out some information? Yeah, go go on, girl. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the email is basicbiblestudy19 at gmail.com, facebook.com slash mybasicbiblestudy. And the website is mybasicbiblestudy.com. And you can find all the uh, the podcast links on there. The Facebook page I've been putting, I've been listing all of the um, the readings. Because oh, I know they've become a little bit more yeah. detailed. Yeah. And it's hard to keep up. So they'll all be listed there. So for next time, we're going to continue on. Second Samuel... Chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. First Chronicles, chapter 13, verses 1 through 14. First Chronicles, chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Second Samuel, chapter 5, verses 17 through 25. First Chronicles, chapter 14, verses 8 through 17. First Chronicles, chapter 15, verses 1 through 24. Second Samuel, Chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. 1 Chronicles, chapter 15, verses 25 through 29. 2 Samuel, chapter 6, verses 17 through 19a. 1 Chronicles, chapter 16, verses 1 through 42. 2 Samuel, chapter 6, verses 19b through 23. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 43. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 17. 
First Chronicles chapter 17 verses 1 through 15. Second Samuel chapter 7 verses 18 through 29. And lastly, First Chronicles chapter 17 verses 16 through 27. So not only is it chronological, we have a lot of parallel verses in there. That's yes. why it kind of goes back and forth between Samuel Chronicles, Samuel Chronicles. Yes. Um, and so as far as Samuel is concerned, we're basically going Second Samuel 6 through 7, but we're throwing in the parallel the verses parallels. and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. That's, right. that's what I have, Amy. Okay. Well, I hope everyone has a blessed time. Yes. Because we don't know how much... And it rained here today. I hope we get more. Are we Me supposed too. to get a major storm? Yeah, but you know how it is here. <laughs> California. Oh, we have one thirty-second of an inch. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. What? Everyone forgets how to drive. Yeah, it's like we live in Michigan during by the Great Lakes are flooding <laughs> when that happens. Oh, yeah, we got one thirty-second of an inch or whatever. It's the most <laughs> lame amount. People dress... Oh. It's if, if it rains for more than an hour here, it, it's almost like the apocalypse is upon us. Yeah. We're, everyone's just like, what's going on? It's yeah. raining for more than half hour. And no one here needs a parka or anything like that. <laughs> and people wear them. No. no one. There's no need for any of that here. A parka. When it's 32 degrees, people are having a breakdown. I know. It's freezing. What do we do? Right. We've put we put on the jacket, honey. I mean, you'll be all right. Yeah, my husband. I've got to go cover the uh, plants outside. Oh, it's freaking yeah. It's going to freeze. It's the first freeze. All right. I'm not covering a plant. Or pipes. Pipes is oh, another yeah, pipe, thing. Pipe, yeah, pipe. For here, come on. <laughs> and then they act like if it breaks, there's going to be no one to ever fix it. Like it's the end of the world. What do we do? Yeah, there's a lot more to worry about. Really, we shouldn't worry. There's nothing to worry about. Yeah. It's like, have you ever seen, like, those the memes or whatever where, you know, people are just running with, like, their heads on fire yeah. and, like, they don't know what to do? Yeah, that's here, huh? It's, yeah, that's, that's California when it gets below 40. Yeah. Heaven help us. Well, that's fine. Yeah. All right, well... Oh. We'll be back soon. We will. Thank you for joining us. Have a blessed week. Thank you.